0: chapter forty seven of the d'artagnan romances volume three part one by alexander dumas translated by william robson this librivox recording is in the public domain how anne of austria gave one piece of advice to louis the fourteenth and how Monsieur fouquet gave him another the news of the extreme illness of the cardinal had already spread and attracted at least as much attention among the people of the louvre as the news of the marriage of monsieur the king's brother which had already been announced as an official fact scarcely had louis the fourteenth returned home with his thoughts fully occupied with the various things he had seen and heard in the course of the evening when an usher announced that the same crowd of courtiers who in the morning had thronged his levee, presented themselves again at his couch. a remarkable piece of respect which during the reign of the cardinal the court not very discreet in its preferences had accorded to the minister without caring about displeasing the king but the minister had had, as we have said, an alarming attack of gout, and the tide of flattery was mounting towards the throne. Courtiers have a marvellous instinct in scenting the turn of events; courtiers possess a supreme kind of science; they are diplomatists in throwing light upon the unravelling of complicated intrigues, captains in divining the issue of battles, and physicians in curing the sick. Louis the fourteenth., to whom his mother had taught this axiom, together with many others, understood at once that the cardinal must be very ill, Scarcely had Anne of Austria conducted the young queen to her apartments, and taken from her brow the head-dress of ceremony, when she went to see her son in his cabinet, where, alone, melancholy, and depressed, he was indulging, as if to exercise his will, in one of those terrible inward passions-king's passions. King's passions which create events when they break out and with louis the fourteenth thanks to his astonishing command over himself became such benign tempests that his most violent his only passion that which saint simon mentions with astonishment was that famous fit of anger which he exhibited fifty years later on the occasion of a little concealment of the duc de maine's and which had for result a shower of blows inflicted with a cane upon the back of a poor valet who had stolen a biscuit the young king then was as we have seen a prey to a double excitement and he said to himself as he looked in a glass o king king by name and not in fact phantom vain phantom art thou inert statue which has no other power than that of provoking salutations from courtiers when wilt thou be able to raise thy velvet arm or clench thy silken hand when wilt thou be able to open for any purpose but to sigh or smile lips condemned to the motionless stupidity of the marbles in thy gallery then passing his hand over his brow and feeling the want of air he approached a window and looking down saw below some horsemen talking together and groups of timid observers these horsemen were a fraction of the watch the groups were busy portions of the people to whom a king is always a curious thing the same as a rhinoceros a crocodile or a serpent he struck his brow with his open hand crying king of france what title people of france what a heap of creatures i have just returned from my louvre my horses just unharnessed are still smoking and i have created interest enough to induce scarcely twenty persons to look at me as i passed Twenty, What do I say? No, there are not twenty anxious to see the King of France. There are not even ten archers to guard my palace of residence. Archers, people, guards, all are at the Palais Royal. Why, my good God, have not I, the King, the right to ask of you all that?' "'Because,' said a voice replying to his, and which sounded from the other side of the door of the cabinet, "'because,' At the Palais Royal lies all the gold, that is to say, all the power of him who desires to reign. Louis turned sharply around. The voice which had pronounced these words was that of Anne of Austria. The king started and advanced toward her. I hope, said he, your majesty has paid no attention to the vain declamations which the solitude and disgust familiar to kings suggest to the happiest dispositions. I only paid attention to one thing, my son, and that was that you were complaining. Who, I? Not at all," said Louis the Fourteenth. "No, in truth, you err, Madame. What were you doing then? I thought I was under the ferrule of my professor, and developing a subject of amplification, my son." "'replied Anne of Austria, shaking her head. "'You are wrong not to trust my word. "'You are wrong not to grant me your confidence. "'A day will come, and perhaps quickly, "'wherein you will have occasion to remember that axiom. "'Gold is universal power, "'and they alone are kings who are all-powerful.' "'Your intention,' continued the king, "'was not, however, to cast blame upon the rich men of this age.' was it no said the queen warmly no sire they who are rich in this age under your reign are rich because you have been willing they should be so and i entertain against them neither malice nor envy they have without doubt served your majesty sufficiently well for your majesty to have permitted them to reward themselves that is what i mean to say by the words for which you approach me God forbid, madame, that I should ever reproach my mother with anything. Besides, continued Anne of Austria, the Lord never gives the goods of this world but for a season. The Lord, as correctives to honor and riches, the Lord has placed sufferings, sickness and death, and no one, added she with a melancholy smile which proved she made the application of the funeral precept to herself no man can take his wealth or greatness with him to the grave. It results, therefore, that the young gather the abundant harvest prepared for them by the old. Louis listened with increased attention to the words which Anne of Austria no doubt pronounced with a view to console him. Madame, said he, looking earnestly at his mother, one would almost say in truth that you had something else to announce to me. I have absolutely nothing, my son. Only you cannot have failed to remark that his eminence the cardinal is very ill. Louis looked at his mother, expecting some emotion in her voice, some sorrow in her countenance. The face of Anne of Austria appeared a little changed, but that was from sufferings of quite a personal character. Perhaps the alteration was caused by the cancer which had begun to consume her breast. Yes, madame? said the king. "'Yes. Monsieur de Mazarin is very ill.' "'And it would be a great loss to the kingdom if God were to summon his eminence away. Is not that your opinion as well as mine, my son?' said the queen. "'Yes, madame, yes, certainly. It would be a great loss for the kingdom,' said Louis, colouring. "'But the peril does not seem to me to be so great.' Besides, the cardinal is still young. The king had scarcely ceased speaking when an usher lifted a tapestry and stood with a paper in his hand, waiting for the king to speak to him. What have you there? asked the king. A message from Monsieur de Mazarin, replied the usher. Give it to me, said the king, and he took the paper, but at the moment he was about to open it, there was a great noise in the gallery the antechamber and the court ah ah said louis the fourteenth who doubtless knew the meaning of that triple noise how can i say there was but one king in france i was mistaken there are two as he spoke or thought thus the door opened and the superintendent of the finances fouquet appeared before his nominal master it was he who made the noise in the antechamber it was his horses that made the noise in the courtyard in addition to all this a loud murmur was heard along his passage which did not die away till some time after he had passed it was this murmur which louis the fourteenth regretted so deeply not hearing as he passed and dying away behind him he is not precisely a king as you fancy said anne of austria to her son he is only a man who is much too rich that is all while saying these words a bitter feeling gave to these words of the queen a most hateful expression whereas the brow of the king calm and self-possessed on the contrary was without the slightest wrinkle he nodded therefore familiarly to fouquet whilst he continued to unfold the paper given to him by the usher fouquet perceived this movement and with a politeness at once easy and respectful Advanced toward the queen so as not to disturb the king. Louis had opened the paper, and yet he did not read it. He listened to Fouquet, paying the most charming compliments to the queen upon her hand and arm. Anne of Austria's frown relaxed a little. She even almost smiled. Fouquet perceived that the king, instead of reading, was looking at him. He turned half round, therefore, and, while continuing his conversation with the queen, faced the king you know monsieur fouquet said louis how ill monsieur mazarin is yes sire i know that said fouquet in fact he is very ill i was at my country house of vaux when the news reached me and the affair seemed so pressing that i left at once you left vaux this evening monsieur an hour and a half ago yes your majesty said fouquet consulting a watch richly ornamented with diamonds an hour and a half said the king still able to restrain his anger but not to conceal his astonishment i understand you sire your majesty doubts my words and you have reason to do so but i have really come in that time though it is wonderful i received from england three pairs of uh, very fast horses as i had been assured they were placed at distances of four leagues apart, and I tried them this evening. They really brought me from Vaux to the Louvre in an hour and a half. So your majesty sees I have not been cheated. The queen mother smiled with something like secret envy, but Fouquet caught her thought. Thus, madame, he promptly said, such horses are made for kings, not for subjects, for kings ought never to yield to any one in anything. The king looked up and yet interrupted anne of austria you are not a king that i know of m fouquet truly not madame therefore the horses only await the orders of his majesty to enter the royal stables and if i allowed myself to try them it was only for fear of offering the king anything that was not positively wonderful the king became quite red you know Monsieur fouquet said the queen that at the court of france it is not the custom for a subject to offer anything to his king louis started i hoped madame said fouquet much agitated that my love for his majesty my incessant desire to please him would serve to compensate the want of etiquette it was not so much a present that i permitted myself to offer as the tribute i paid thank you monsieur fouquet said the king politely. "'And I am gratified by your intention, for I love good horses. But you know I am not very rich. You, who are my superintendent of finances, know it better than anyone else. I am not able, then, however willing I may be, to purchase such a valuable set of horses.' Fouquet darted a haughty glance at the queen mother, who appeared to triumph at the false position in which the minister had placed himself, and replied, luxury is the virtue of kings sire it is luxury which makes them resemble god it is by luxury they are more than other men with luxury a king nourishes his subjects and honors them under the mild heat of this luxury of kings springs the luxury of individuals a source of riches for the people his majesty by accepting the gift of these six incomparable horses would stimulate the pride of his own breeders of limousin and normandy and these emulation would have been beneficial to all but the king is silent and consequently i am condemned during this speech louis was unconsciously folding and unfolding mazarin's paper upon which he had not cast his eyes at length he glanced upon it and uttered a faint cry at reading the first line what is the matter my son asked the queen anxiously in going toward the king. "'From the cardinal?' replied the king, continuing to read. "'Yes, yes, it is really from him.' "'Is he worse, then?' "'Read,' said the king, passing the parchment to his mother, as if he had thought that nothing less than reading would convince Anne of Austria of a thing so astonishing as was conveyed in that paper." Anne of Austria read in turn, and as she read, her eyes sparkled with a joy all the greater from her useless endeavor to hide it, which attracted the attention of Fouquet. "'Oh, a regularly drawn-up deed of gift,' said she. "'A gift,' repeated Fouquet. "'Yes,' said the king, replying pointedly to the superintendent of finances. "'Yes, at the point of death.' Monsieur le Cardinal makes me a donation of all his wealth. Forty millions, cried the Queen. Oh, my son, this is very noble on the part of his eminence, and will silence all malicious rumours. Forty millions scraped together slowly, coming back all in one heap to the treasury. It is the act of a faithful subject, and a good Christian. And having once more cast her eyes over the act, she restored it to Louis the Fourteenth, whom the announcement of the sum greatly agitated. Fouquet had taken some steps backwards and remained silent. The king looked at him and held the paper out to him in turn. The superintendent only bestowed a haughty look of a second upon it, then bowing. "'Yes, sire,' said he. "'A donation, I see.' "'You must reply to it, my son,' said Anne of Austria you must reply to it and immediately but how madame by a visit to the cardinal why it is but an hour since i left his eminence said the king right then sire right said the young king with evident repugnance well replied anne of austria it seems to me my son that a man Who has just made such a present has a good right to expect to be thanked for it with some degree of promptitude then turning toward fouquet is not that likewise your opinion monsieur that the present is worth the trouble yes madame said fouquet with a lofty air that did not escape the king accept it then and thank him insisted anne of austria What says Monsieur Fouquet? asked Louis the fourteenth. Does your majesty wish to know my opinion? Yes. Thank him, sire. Ah! said the queen, but do not accept, continued Fouquet. And why not? asked the queen. You have yourself said why, madame, replied Fouquet because kings cannot and ought not to receive presents from their subjects." The king remained silent between these two contrary opinions. "'But forty millions,' said Anne of Austria in the same tone as that in which, at a later period, poor Marie Antoinette replied, "'You will tell me as much.' "'I know,' said Fouquet, laughing forty millions (laughs) makes a good round sum such a sum as could almost tempt a royal conscience but monsieur said anne of austria instead of persuading the king not to receive this present recall to his majesty's mind you whose duty it is that these forty millions are a fortune to him it is precisely madame because these forty millions would be a fortune that i say to the king sire if it be not decent for a king to accept from a subject six horses worth twenty thousand livres it would be disgraceful for him to owe a fortune to another subject more or less scrupulous in the choice of the materials which contributed to the building up of that fortune it ill becomes you monsieur to give your king a lesson said anne of austria better procure for him forty millions to replace those you make him lose. The king shall have them whenever he wishes, said the superintendent of finances, bowing. Yes, by oppressing the people, said the queen. And were they not oppressed, madame, replied Fouquet, when they were made to sweat the forty millions given by this deed? Furthermore, his majesty has asked my opinion and i have given it if his majesty asks my concurrence it will be the same nonsense except my son except said anne of austria you are above reports and interpretations refuse sire said fouquet as long as a king lives he has no other measure but his conscience no other judge than his own desires but when dead he has posterity which applauds or accuses thank you mother replied louis bowing respectfully to the queen thank you monsieur fouquet said he dismissing the superintendent civilly do you accept asked anne of austria once more I shall consider of it," replied he, looking at Fouquet. End of Chapter Forty Seven, Recording by John Van Stan, Savannah, Georgia.